Welcome to Points of Courage, where we talk to entrepreneurs who have put a lot of sweat, some tears, and who knows how many hours into starting their own businesses. I'm your host, Jessica Jackley. I took my own business risks about a decade ago when I started Kiva, a peer-to-peer micro-lending website that funds entrepreneurs around the world. Today, I teach and speak widely on entrepreneurship, and I also get to talk to incredible thinkers and innovators here on Points of Courage. I love having real conversations with entrepreneurs who have built their companies from the ground up with nothing but their own drive, passion, and courage. And I'm constantly learning new things as I hear each one's unique journey. You should get ready to learn a lot too. This podcast is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance, America's number one online small business insurer. You can learn more about Hiscox at hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X dot com. Hiscox. Encourage courage. Today, I'm here in the studio with a Texan who, no rodeo pun intended, doesn't shy away from bucking the trend. Maggie Francisco left a corporate career to start a wedding planning business, something that would terrify most people. Since then, she's made a habit of going against the grain, and she's here with me now to talk about where that's landed her. Hey, Maggie. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. So let's dive right in. When did you decide that you wanted to turn the hobby of helping friends plan their weddings into a full-time job? I had left a job where I had a lot of creative control. I was doing marketing and new restaurant openings and photo shoots and all this really cool stuff for a restaurant brand in Texas. I took a chance to work for a tech firm for a year, which was really intellectually fulfilling, but it wasn't super creatively fulfilling. So on the side, I had started to plan weddings for my friends, and that was such a creatively fulfilling thing to do as a hobby. And I just really enjoyed it. I had fun doing it. And in a lot of ways, it didn't feel like work. But once people start calling you that you actually don't even know, (laughs) you're like, I don't think I can do this for free anymore. I think I need to probably start charging. So out of curiosity, are you a person who, when the friend of a friend or somebody that you like actually don't know, (laughs) calls and says, hey, I'm getting married. Help me. (laughs) Are you somebody who felt like you had to say yes? Initially, the answer is yes, absolutely. But as my involvement in these weddings grew more complex and I was expected to take more of a leadership role, it just naturally felt like, okay, it's time for me to realize and admit to myself that I'm providing a whole lot of value here. Yes. So, you know, to really answer your question, of course, my first answer was, yeah, sure. I mean, I think you have because to— Because you loved it. You enjoyed it. Yeah. You have to say yes to opportunities in your life. But you also need to find a point where you stand up for yourself. And I think that that cycle happens continuously Yes. when you're an entrepreneur. Gosh, we're like going right to the wisdom here. I, <laughs> I agree. Amen. I think what you're saying is really powerful and true Thanks. and important for people to hear. Did you feel stressed out at all thinking about that turning into an official business or was it event by event and then slowly you realize, I got to name this thing. I got to get up and running and be more official. I was hanging on pretty tightly to my Mm. corporate job. There was a lot of security in that. We had no concerns about finances or bills or student loan payments. I mean, everything was fine because I had this. You had the plan. Yeah, everything was going great. One of the big things that held me back for a while was the idea of the reality TV show wedding planner that you see all the time. Interesting. That is not me. Hmm. I do not walk into a room and say, 
oh my gosh, we need to drape that wall and there needs to be flowers growing all over the place on this <laughs> side and we need crab cakes because we do. <laughs> and, you know, this over-the-top, larger-than-life right. personality that you see on all of these wedding shows. And I just felt like if that's what it takes to be a wedding planner, if that's what that's all about, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really, I started learning more because I just wanted to do a good job for these people that I right. was helping out. Right. And I just asked a lot of questions, and I talked to a lot of vendors who I perceived to be really good at their jobs. People like DJs, florists, officiants, and the overwhelming feedback I got during these conversations was, you know what? There are some wedding planners who adopt that kind of an approach, and overall, they have a hard time having success because nobody really wants to work with them. Mm -hmm. That's not an overall team player kind of way to act when you come on in and it's all about you. It should never be about you in any business you're doing. It should be about your clients. So by really listening to the people who are successful in the field, I felt like that was the number one source of confidence, Mm -hmm. that there is a need for what I can provide differently from my set of experiences in my career to benefit the vendor experience and therefore benefit the clients. Right, right. Well, and you strike me as incredibly thoughtful and collaborative in that approach. I mean, that sounds it sounds like a pleasure. It would be a pleasure to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I, yeah. I hope people feel that way. <laughs> Unfortunately, I already have gotten married, so I can't oh, I can't be, oh, man. Maybe we do like a renewal, a renewal. vow someday and I'll you'll be calling you. Perfect. Um, I have to make sure this gets said out loud. One of your former clients has written on your website and this is a quote. Besides choosing to marry each other, selecting Maggie to plan our wedding has proven to be the best decision we've made to date. I mean, Is there a better possible review? Well, I think a big part of it is giving permission to people to value the things they value Mm -hmm. and to not do things because tradition or the media dictates that you are supposed to. When I talk with my couples and when I'm talking with them about their budgets, always in the back of my mind is help them remember that this is one day and it's still a real life day. There's no such thing as a perfect day. Even your wedding day will never be perfect. There's just too many variables that are out of your control. You can't control the way people are going to I'm sure you have some stories. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a lot of stories. Um, And there can still be business profit in that. I mean, I'm not running a charity. Neither are the vendors that I'm working with. But there are ways of doing it with a different approach that still creates really beautiful celebrations where vendors can be treated well and be paid appropriately and everybody can come out of it, you know, doing really well. I just keep thinking about how you've integrated so much. You have these insights. And I wonder, as you have made this recent transition to Ohio, what did you prioritize and how did you use that principle in rebuilding and growing a new base of clients in this new environment? 
So I got the news my husband was going to move. A lot of people, when they found out, a lot of my vendor friends or wedding planner friends were like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. That was the first thing right. they said, like as though something really tragic right. had just happened. I felt this is my chance to hit the reset button mm-hmm. and start over and start fresh with what I've learned about the industry because those skills and that knowledge, that's going to translate. That's going to transfer I can't guarantee that I'm going to be successful in Ohio. It's a very different market. I don't know. But what I do know is that the biggest priority that I've had to have is honoring what I really believe in, focusing on what I think is right instead of looking to the market to tell me what to do next. I would say that is a huge sign of courage and of strength that you have to not just say, maybe I can do it, but to say, I have an opportunity to reinvent and to even leapfrog where I would have gone had I just continued to grow in my old environment. You know, maybe I could have worked my way up the ladder to try to score million-dollar weddings down the road. If that's chump change to you, spend it and have a great time. That's fine, but that's not— Return on investment is not limited to financial returns. You value the process. You value the thing itself. And it's true. It's not just a means to an end. It's an end in and of itself. And I love that. So I understand you have a minimalist philosophy. And again, this seems like quite the contrast to the dramatic, over-the-top, crazy superstar wedding planners that we've seen in movies and on TV. Tell me about where that came from and why it works. One of the most important things I had to do when starting my business was to provide really awesome consultations. I had to be able to sit down with these couples and often with their parents or financial decision makers and present myself in a very calm, cool, collected way so that they could understand that I was going to come in and make zen of this wedding planning process. Right, you could be this rock for them. Right. And so I started to realize things like, you know, there's a reason Steve Jobs always wore a black turtleneck. Because that's one less decision you have to make. Every day is full of so many decisions. It's extremely stressful. And I felt like I really needed to streamline the number of decisions I was making on a daily basis. You know, my wardrobe needed to be pared down folders, physical folders full of all these papers for my clients' stuff. That needed to stop. You know, really cool stuff that just simplifies your life and makes it more about experiences and relationships. And yet I'm working with clients who are so stressed out. And I felt like, my gosh, we're planning these weddings. They're supposed to be a celebration of one of the most meaningful commitments you can make in your life. And here we are focused on all of this inessential stuff that has nothing to do with the union that you are committing to. And I started to feel this dichotomy between what I was doing for work every day and what I personally believed in. Mm-hmm. And that's not mm-hmm. a good place to be, honestly. Yeah. So good for you for noticing that and honoring that and kind of following that through to figure out how to integrate that difference that you saw. I remember a specific instance where I really began to understand that I really did believe in this, but it really was not going to be an easy road. So I'm part of a lot of different industry groups, and I noticed a a post someone made one day that said, I just received an online invitation to a wedding. Is this a new trend with millennials or something, or what is this? And I started to read the responses and comments, and these are all from industry vendors. 
the one response that really got me was someone who said, if I received an online invitation, I would RSVP that I couldn't come. And my response to that, which I did post, was, man, if that were me as the client inviting people to my wedding, I would say, that's a really great way to cut down my guest list and not pay for open bar for somebody (laughs) who doesn't really give a darn about me anyway. And the sheer volume of comments on it supporting, you know, oh, well, traditional etiquette and Emily Post say you're supposed to have paper invitations and there's supposed to be calligraphy on the outer envelope and there's supposed to be an inner envelope. Like, are you kidding me? An inner envelope? The reason for an inner envelope was that mail used to be delivered by horseback. So when you would receive a fancy invitation, the outside envelope would be trashed with dirt and all kinds of other stuff because it was being delivered by a guy who had a satchel I love that you side. know the history of this. This is great. Like, <laughs> it's important to know. The mysteries <laughs> you revealed know. here. The answers revealed. <laughs> you got to know the rules to break I'm them. I'm so, I, I, but I am just so impressed with your thoroughness. Like, it sounds like to me, and I hope I'm not cutting your story off. As I listen to you describe these kind of emotional spikes that come up and that are, I think, so important, particularly for entrepreneurs to listen to, I think it takes courage to follow through on those moments. And it sounds like this was a moment for you, and you did exactly that. And I I won't say that— You know, I had that experience and I woke up the next day and rebranded my entire website. And, and, you know, I mean, that just didn't happen. But I had to slowly and surely start having courage in my everyday conversations with my clients and with my vendor partners to start expressing that I don't necessarily believe in everything that we're promoting. Mm -hmm. So the strategy I took was... I'm going to honor people, whether it's a vendor or a client, but I am going to challenge the processes. So, for example, when you go in to get a quote from a wedding florist, the florist is going to bring out a checklist, and it's going to have a list of all the things that people will traditionally order. And it'll start off with your personal flowers, your bouquets, your boutonnieres, your corsages for mom and grandma, all that stuff. So because this is the process and because this is the way that it's been done, these couples sit down and they think, well— Um, I did three consultations with florists, and they all asked me how many boutonnieres I wanted, so I guess I'm supposed to be ordering boutonnieres. (laughs) Right. None of them said, there's also an option to not choose these things. What I would start to do in those meetings is challenge it. For aspiring entrepreneurs who might be listening, what is one thing that you wish you'd known before you launched your company? Oh, there's so many things I wish I had known (laughs) before I started my company. The biggest thing— I wish I had been more aware of was that setting boundaries properly is going to have a lot to do with what you're able to accomplish. That can mean setting boundaries as far as what style of work you do, the hours that you're going to work, setting expectations with the vendors or clients that you're going to work with for how you do things and how you're going to serve people. I feel like in my business, I said, we talked about this a little earlier, you know, I said yes all the time. And And there are seasons for that, right? There are seasons in particular sort of segments of your work where saying yes a lot is great and finds you opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) However, it's okay to say no. Mm -hmm. I wish I had recognized that not every opportunity that came my way was supposed to be part of my story. And it's okay to let those things go. It's okay to say no. You don't always have to be overachieving every minute of the day. Set some boundaries. 
if you have too many priorities, you don't have any priorities. Mm. So you got to set boundaries with what you're trying to do. Such good advice. Given how much you have invested in your business, how do you think about risk? Being able to manage risk in a healthy way means getting as much information as you can to try to make smart decisions, but also know you're never going to have all the info you want, and you have to have the belief that you're going to be okay and you're going to deal with it Mm -hmm. if it goes wrong. I think you, when you decide to believe something about yourself, then it comes true. Mm. And I think if entrepreneurs are out there telling themselves, even if this decision is not successful, it's the best decision I can make at the time. And if it doesn't go right, then I'm going to figure it out. Right. Then right. I think you you will be successful. I always find it interesting to hear who out there in the world who's doing great work in this independent way as a small business owner uses the word entrepreneur. And nobody's out there dubbing you poof, now you are officially an entrepreneur today. But you have really thought through what that means and what things you've needed to establish to be official, to be legit. I think a lot of that came from my corporate experience was understanding processes and how to run a business successfully. Mm -hmm. But I knew the second I started my business, I had the chops to do it and to do it well. But the first thing I started off with was getting my business house in order. And that really made me more competitive off the bat. Even things as simple as getting my business insurance right away. A lot of wedding industry vendors are not insured. And that is a big thing you need to ask about when you're planning your wedding. Ask your vendors, do you carry business insurance? Really defining what my processes were going to be like and what my documentation was going to look like. And how was I going to get my clients from A to Z and uh, make sure that we got every little thing done? There's a lot of little things that can be missed. So by taking my prior business experience from working for other people and saying, what would I do a little differently? What did they do well that I need to carry into my business so that I'm successful? I did a lot of that. And that, I feel, was really important in getting established Right. right. You have beginning. to you have to structure, you have to codify and formalize and have everything in order so that then you can be freed to really do the good work, do the exciting, creative work that's gonna have people just singing your praises. The as fun they stuff. Are. Right. The fun <laughs> stuff. So have you received a piece of advice over the last few years that has just become a kind of mantra? I think it's important to to realize that you're not going to jive with everybody. You're not going right. to be everybody's best friend. Right. You have to align yourself with people who share your values. Actively surround yourself with that. Because if you're just trying to become the most popular wedding planner in the world or whatever, you know, your message will get diluted and you'll never be happy no matter what you accomplish. And of course, you want to surround yourself with people who disagree with you too, to keep you honest. But I think it's important to realize that. I love the idea of surrounding yourself, maybe the tightest inner circle that you have. You can surround yourself with the contrarians as well. Yeah. But the people that you go to regularly shouldn't be people that you have to feel like you're putting on your armor or have to fight for your voice, your position. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked you that's in your mind, on your heart that you'd like to share, again, with many aspiring entrepreneurs listening to this? I think the biggest learning lesson that I have experienced that I would hope to pass on is that if you feel like there's a disconnect between what you're doing in your business and what you would believe in personally in your day-to-day life, you've got to address that. 
And it's really scary to do it. And in certain industries, you'll be challenging the status quo and you may not make some friends from what you're doing. But if you stay true to what you want to do, you will find that people will jump on board with that. Mm -hmm. You have to be okay with challenging the status quo. Well, it is clear that you have mastered that. And I admire how you are doing what you're doing in the world and we'll be cheering you on. So thank you again for spending the time with me today. Thank you for having me. It's been great talking with you. Maggie is somebody who saw the beauty of simplicity in wedding planning. And that's an area where simplicity is the last word that comes to mind, I think, for that industry and for what I've always imagined a big successful wedding looks like. But she really honored her feeling, her perspective, her insight that maybe less is more. People listening to this who have a different perspective, I think they can be incredibly encouraged and inspired by Maggie to honor those insights and to, in fact, recognize that they can be what will add the most value and what will set them apart from everybody else trying to do the same thing the same old way. Points of Courage is produced by Panoply Custom Studios and is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance, America's number one online small business insurer. A big thanks to Maggie Francisco for coming by and sharing her story with us. To hear more stories of entrepreneurs taking the leap to start a business, subscribe to Points of Courage wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jessica Jackley. Thank you for listening. Want to learn more about Maggie and her wedding business? Go to slate.com slash points of courage to read the article and check out more about her work.